Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know that we can look back over our lives and see that God has made a way out of no way. Even in this church's existence, we can see from where he's brought us from. So can we just worship him and thank him for just bringing us so far? Oh, you made yeah. Don't know how, but you did it. We're standing here Not knowing how we'll get through this test But we're holding on to faith you know best Cause nothing can catch you by surprise You've got this figured out You're watching us
made a way, say, you made a way. You made a way. Even for this church family, say, you made a way. You made a way, God. And we're so grateful, God. You keep on making a way. You made a way. When I look back, I don't know how, but you did. Yeah. I don't know how, but you did. 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 Don't know how. Listen, and I don't know why I'm grateful. Is there anybody that's grateful to God for making a way out of nowhere? Is there anybody that's grateful to God for keeping blessing you and turning you around? Every time I turn around, He keeps on making a way. Every time I turn around, He keeps on blessing me. Anybody testify that he moves mountains? Yeah. And he calls walls to fall. Oh, say you move, you move mountains. Come on, sing it. Say you move mountains. Say you move mountains. If he's moved the mountain in your life, when you look back, say you move mountains.
Hallelujah. Good morning, Zion Hill. I am so thankful that I get to once again welcome you all to Zion Hill's 98th anniversary. 98 years of Zion Hill being the place for worship and praise as we just seen. And we just getting started. So sit back, relax, kick your feet up because we're going to start off 98 more wonderful years of Zion Hill. See you at the top. Good morning, Zion Hill family and friends. This is a day of worship, praise, and celebration. Just look where God has brought us. 98 years as a church, a city sat on a hill for the glory of God. Amen. Our church began in 1923 in the home of Reverend Ezekiel Hill and his wife, Emma. They opened their home to be used as our first church. Reverend J. Todd served as a spiritual advisor. By the 1950s, Zion Hill was on the move. Additional land was purchased and a new sanctuary was built that included several classrooms and a kitchen. Reverend S.J. Johnson was pastor during that time. Later, during the 1970s, Reverend Richard Bennett was pastor. The church was remodeled to our church building on Baptist Street. In 1996, Zion Hill was blessed with our current pastor, Dr. Joshua Joy Dara, a man sent by God to lead Zion Hill to higher heights. Dr. Dara is well known as a leader, a teacher, a visionary, preacher, pastor, professor, doctor, lawyer, musician, and a counselor. With God as his guide, he has used his gifts and talents to lead our church to where we are today. Again, I say, this is an occasion to celebrate. Just look where God has brought us. Thank you.
good morning. Zion Hill Church family, open your mouth and say something. Hallelujah. God has been truly good to Zion Hill. I am here to share my memories of Zion Hill. And my memories goes way back to the 602 Hunter Street when I was eight years old. And we call it the Little White Plank Church. But it was filled with love, laughter, but most of all, faith. The Little White Plank Church, we had about 30 members. And we never sold any chicken dinners, any fish dinners. I witnessed those people believe in God by faith. And I heard my grandmother sing songs like, I need thee, thank you, Lord. Guide me over thy great Jehovah, and pass me not, O gentle Savior. I did not know what the songs meant, but they knew if they sung that song, God will answer. It was built on a solid foundation. Reverend Bennett was the pastor. The leaders back then was Deacon Earl and Rosie Johnson, my grandparents, Louise Butler, Aaron family, and so many more that has gone on before us. I remember being in the Tots Choir, the Youth Choir, and on to the Big Choir, but there's one thing about the ladies and the men. They would not let us sit down on God. No matter how young we was, we was going to do a work for God at Zion Hill. Being in the Tots Choir taught me so much because they taught me how to sing and also how to bring other children in because we made it fun, eventful. I remember every Saturday morning, Mother Williams, she would pick us up every Saturday morning, and we would be at the church helping at the church, whatever needed to be done. And when the senior missions, they would have it every Monday, and when they got ready to have it at my uh, big mama house, I would run, and everybody would not go by her house. But then they knew right then, do not announce it in church. And when we got there, they made us stay for a senior mission. Didn't know the word of God was being in our spirits. They was making us move to another level in God through senior mission. And I also witnessed, as I became older, I seen them believe for bigger and better. And that's when we had moved to the 500 Baptist Street location. We marched from the 602 Hunter Street to the 500 Baptist Street location. Those people were so proud of what God had done. And once again, we did not sell any chicken dinners, any fish dinners. We believed God to open up the door. I also witnessed that day we burned the mortgage at 500 Baptist Street. That was a glorious time. And as I seen everything that went on at Zion Hill, 
it just ignited my faith. You see, I did not know God. I just knew of God. But then once I seen those people move, I say, there is a God somewhere. 30 people believe God for a building that big. And as we marched to the new location, Reverend Bennett passed on. And then we had Reverend Edmund D. Pointer, a man of faith as well. But see what I'm getting at, Zion here was built on faith and the word of God. In order to see God move in your life, you had to step out on faith. So people of God, my roots are very strong in Zion Hill. I do not take it lightly. It taught me resilient faith. It taught me crazy faith. It taught me to believe God for the impossible. And in 1996, I witnessed Pastor Darrell as our pastor. You heard his uh, testimony how that they didn't even want him there, but God. <laughs> but God. Because God seen what was going to become of Zion Hill. And in 2002, I witnessed this building being built. And it took faith to build something this big. It took the power of God to move in this place. So people of God, unity makes the dream a reality. We have to come together as one to watch God move. And those who share my memories at the 60200 Street, Sister Jackie Lloyd, Robert Gates, Georgia Humphrey, Willie and Maggie Jackson, Maggie McCarthy, Deaconess Rose Johnson, the Williams family, and Sister Gail Harbor. Zion here, I salute you on your 98 years. Amen. Good morning, saints. My name is Harold Davis, and I am the CFO of Zion Hill Church. And today, I thought I would share with you a little bit about our growth. You see, it all started back in 1923, as Sister Amanda had mentioned, with Reverend Hall. That was a unique time back then. It was approaching the Great Depression. But Reverend Hall was obedient, and he answered the call of ministry. I do think back in the days, him and his wife didn't have much, yet they offered half of their home to start up in teaching the Word of God. That was the beginning of seed sowing into Zion Hill. See, Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 and 11, now he who supplies seeds to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your house of seeds and will enlarge the harvest of our righteous. You see, Reverend Hall was the first to sow and design hill. 
and we've had nine additional pastors since then being pastor there our 10th. And I believe that all of those shepherds sowed the word of God into their flock and their flock sowed back into the church. And as a church, we have had great harvest throughout our 98 years. Let me share some of those with you. You see, back in the days, we started out with a plot of land. And now our church campus sits on seven acres of land. Back in the days, the building or home was probably less than 1,000 square feet. And now our sanctuary and family life center is over 40,000 square feet. You see, back in the days, there was probably less than 50 people. And now our congregation is over 3,000. You see, back in the days, our members had to get folks to and from church using their own cars. And now we have a fleet of four vans for transportation, not to mention a coach bus that takes our youth, seniors, and choirs and church members all over the continental United States. Back in the days, they had their first newsletter distributed to probably 100 members. And today, our outreach ministry airs on television, radio, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and reaches millions all over the globe. That's just a bit of our tangible growth. But what I really feel is our intangible growth. That's the soul of Zion Hill. We have over 50-plus ministries in our church. Just to name a few, our parking lot and greeters ministry to welcome us into the house of God. We have our prayer ministry to help us get closer to God. We have our church school ministry to help us study the word of God. We have our health ministry to offer assistance during times of financial hardship. We have our youth ministry to teach our children about God. We have our music and choir to help us get our praise on. We also have our bereavement ministry to help supporters during time of loss and many more to come. You see, the growth and harvest has increased in so many ways, both tangible and intangible. Let's keep up the good works of this ministry during our season so that we can continue to see the kingdom of God grow through Zion Hill Church. Amen. Good morning, good morning, good morning. The good thing about going last is everybody said everything before you got up, so there's not much, too much left to say. They've just about said everything. And so this morning, I'm here to talk about the foundation of having a church in your life. When I got the phone call about doing the anniversary, she said 98 years. I said, wow, that's a, that's a long time. And then I began to think about my grandmother, and she, when she passed away, she was 93 years old. And then I started to think about all the things that she saw and witnessed in her years. I said 93, 98. Um, so I can only imagine the things that Zion Hill has witnessed as a church body. Um, the different storms and different mountains that Zion Hill has to endure. And I can remember, Matt, um, back in high school, we were sung with United Voices. And I remember we got the invitation to go to Zion Hill. And with United Voices, we basically we went a lot of places singing. And I remember we went to, to Zion Hill, small, small church. So when she was talking about the church, the old church, it came back to my memory. In United Voices, we had a, a lot of members in our, in our choir. And when, I remember going to, to the, sing at the church and it was just so hot. 
We was hot in that. And then I remember we had to get up and sing, and it was like, where are all these people going to get up and sing it? Because the choir stand was like the bathroom. And so when she was speaking about the church and where y'all are today, and I think about how blessed we are to be able to walk in the building and have air conditioning. I think about how blessed we are we can we have comfortable chairs to sit in. I don't even think of when we went over there to think we even had enough chairs to even sit down. Just that was just the choir. That wasn't that was just our choir. That wasn't including this other special guests that were there. So we're blessed today to even have comfortable chairs to sit in. And those are just things that we take for granted. And then I think about what church means to me and the things that my parents instilled in me. And I tell everybody, I remember growing up, my dad wasn't, he wasn't a church going man. And I remember my mom would take us around my grandmother's house. My grandmother would take us to Sunday school. And my mom would come for 11 o'clock services. And we would leave my dad at home. But my mom still kept on going to church. In our house, we didn't have a choice. We had to go to the church. And then I remember when my mom joined Giant Zion Hill. And my dad would say, I'm not going over there. I don't know what that African's saying over there. I can say it now because he's gone, so I won't get in trouble. He said, yeah, Pat, that's what he called my mom. She going over there. I don't know what that black African saying. I can't understand them. And my mom just kept on coming to church. And that's my first point is when you come to church and get that foundation, you form relationships. And so it, with my daddy, it became from, I don't know that African. I can't understand nothing he's saying to where he formed a relationship. And I knew my dad had changed when he went from, I can't understand that black African to, that's my pastor. <laughs> One thing I knew about my parents was, they love Zion Hill. So anytime we came home to visit, we all knew where we were going to Zion Hill for church. Because as children, we mimic our parents. Our children watch everything we do and say. And so I thank God for my parents coming to church and making us come to church and form those relationships because the relationships that my parents formed, it had an effect on me, um, both personal and professional. Um, it was because of relationships with my parents that I was able to meet Ms. Thomas. That's professional. It was because of relationships that were formed here in the church, I was able to meet Pastor. And when my parents were on their deathbed, 
I was able to call pastor and say, can you please come pray for my dad? Because I knew the relationship that my father and pastor had. And I knew if he didn't want anybody else, he wanted his pastor. It's when you come to church, you form those relationships. It's Sister Mary Smith who calls me out of the blue and said, the Lord put you in my spirit. Can I pray for you? And she don't know, but sometimes I be so weak, I need the word. But it's because of relationships that were formed here at church. So many of us think that, oh, going to church isn't important. It is. I've learned survival skills. I would always hear my grandmother talk about Bible study. And it wasn't until 2014. I said, you know what, let me get this Bible study thing a try and see what this is about. I was going through some things in my life and I thought I was going to lose my mind and Sunday just wasn't enough for me. But it was because of the foundation of me seeing my grandmother going to Bible study that I can get that midweek help. They taught me about tithing. This, is just, this isn't just a white envelope. But oftentimes I would hear my mom say, I'm on a fixed income. And Terrence, I remember when my mom did the baby shower. And she said, Pastor fussed at me about doing things. She said, but this is my ministry. This is how God blesses me. My mom taught me about tithing. And one thing I know I've learned about Zion here, just was speaking with my mom, this is holy ground. This is holy ground. And so today I want to mimic my mom. And I'm going to sow it in seed. Believe in God. Believe in God. I'm going to mimic my mama and sow this seed of faith. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. It was because of the foundation in my life that I learned about those old hymns. Just a closer walk with thee. Lord, I surrender all. When my parents passed, I said, Lord, I surrender. Lord, I surrender all to you, Jesus. I can't bear this alone, Lord. But I give it to you, Lord. It was at the cross. Amazing grace. How sweet was it? And then I learned that mom and dad is not here. But Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells us. It was the foundation of my parents that I've learned to trust God. I've learned the importance of church. 
I've learned that if you miss church, you miss God's presence. I've learned that if you miss church, you miss God's peace. And I've learned if you miss church, you miss God's power. But most of all, I've learned that if you miss church, you miss your promotion. And I've learned back in February, I trust the Lord. That my parents got their promotion. And they're now resting in the arms of God. So let's not take church for granted. Because I've learned that when you show up at church, God's presence enters. And when his presence enters, things happen.
Praise the Lord. Please let me thank God for all the folks that have come before you to speak this morning. What a blessing. I don't know about you. I felt like we have been to church already. And I want to say thank you to our event planning committee. I didn't tell them who to speak. They came up with that list, and every one of them was on point. Amen. Even I learned more today about this church from these three people. And they came from different perspectives, and it was so informative and so enriching and biblically sound. Please, let's thank God for all them one more time. What a blessing. We are grateful, grateful, grateful. Honestly, I feel I don't have to say anything else. <laughs> but just out of obedience, I will call your attention to one verse of the scripture. And then we can prepare to hear the word again. Next hour. At 10 o'clock, one of our associate ministers will be preaching for us, Pastor Jeffrey Washington. So that gives us opportunity to hear different words from the Lord today. So, and I hope that these three folks will be back to, to share with us again. I will hate for the people coming at 10 o'clock to miss what you are shared this morning. So, praise the Lord. So, let's all stand to read the word of God. The book is Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verse 13. Thanks to our music department, for the worship experience we have today. Please don't forget, if the Lord put it in your heart to give, just like my sister just did, it's a seed of faith. She's testifying of what this church means to her and what she learned from my parents. Thank God for godly parents. The book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verse number 13. The Bible says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. In other words, here's the bottom line. The conclusion of the whole matter. What is the conclusion? Fear God. Keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the word of God. Holy Spirit, we appreciate what you are doing in this church. It is very touching. It's moving. And we sense your presence. Thank you for the way you're using your people to make things happen. 
we recognize without you we can do absolutely nothing. So again, I ask that you will minister to our spirit man. I ask that your glory will fill this place. And I thank you for another year's journey in the life of this church. Thank you for bringing us this far by faith. Have your way in this house. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As you well know, today is the 98th anniversary of this great church. 98 years of existence. We thank God for that. We are grateful that we are privileged to be a part of the hard work of brothers and sisters who were before us. During this weekend, I made up my mind that it's going to be a time to, to tune up and to see and explore how we can do even much better. Many of you met with me yesterday, especially those of you who are church leaders. We had what we call strategic plan for the church. And many of you share, and we reason together in how we can move forward in the natural. So today what I want to do is to build on that and to show us what we need to do to move forward in the spirit. So you need to learn both sides of the equation. There are things that we have to do in the natural and there are things that we have to do in the spirit. Amen? So our topic for discussion this morning is titled, A Church That is Built to Last. A Church That is Built to Last. Ladies and gentlemen, when I use the term church, please Remember that we're not talking about buildings. We're not talking about lands. We're talking about you, you, all of us here, the people of God. So this message, ladies and gentlemen, is really good, not only for us collectively, but this is something that you can use in your own personal life. If you want to build a home that will last, if you want to build a business that will last, if you want to build a ministry that will last, this is it. The Bible is very clear as to the conclusion of the matter. Ladies and gentlemen, please take note, it's not enough to build whatever you're building. You must build to last. If you're going to build a marriage, you want your marriage to last. If you're going to build a family, you want a fa- your family to last. If you're going to build a business, you want to build a business that will last. 
if you're going to build a legacy, if you're going to build a church, you have to build it to last. Are you still here? Ladies and gentlemen, how do you build to last? According to the word of God, the number one way to build anything to last is for you to walk with God. If you don't hear anything else, I have to say, that is the secret to success in anything you do. People will tell you where in a relationship you need to look good. You need to do this and do that. Trust me, all of that will be for a season. Today I'm sharing with you what we enable you to build to last. Ladies and gentlemen, please take note there's a difference between walking with God and just doing the work of ministry. Part of the problem in many churches today is that we are too busy doing the work of the ministry, but we are not walking with God. So as a result, many ministries, churches, they come and go. They don't last. So if you are preaching, for example, if you're a preacher like me, that's work. You're doing the work of the ministry. But if you're not walking with God, your ministry will not last. As much as I love music, you can be singing in the choir. That's working for God. But if you don't walk with God, your singing is in vain. And that goes for anything that you do in this ministry. There's a difference between working for God and walking with God. So if you're teaching in midweek, and it's a good thing, we need somebody to preach. We need somebody to sing. We need somebody to clean the building. We need somebody to maintain the building. We need the usher. We, I mean, I can go on and on. So many people God used within these 98 years to do the work of the ministry. But all of that don't worth a dime if you don't walk with God. Every great man and women in the Bible are people that walk with God. If you invest the time to study the word of God, you will see every one of them. The secret to their success is not the work of the ministry that you're doing. It's their walk with God. So our priority, therefore, must be in having relationship with God as opposed to just doing the assignment of working for God. 
you can actually be working in the church and still go to hell. If we walk with God, our church will be built to last. Thousands of years from now, they will still be talking about our church called Zion here. I can close my book and go home. That's not just for the church. That's for each and every one of you present here. Ladies and gentlemen, think about it. Moses was just a stammerer. But because he walked with God, his ministry lasted for decades. And thousands of years later, we are still talking about it. What is the secret? He was no more than a stammerer. He can't even talk. <laughs> but when you walk with God, God will make your ministry impactful. Long after you are dead and gone, generations will still be talking about you. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. The Bible talks about Abraham. God appeared to Abraham. And guess what he said? I'm glad you can read. What did he tell him? He said, walk with me. Many people, what you are hearing is do the work of ministry. And that's why you find yourself still struggling. Even doing the work of the ministry. Abraham, walk with me. You know how the old folk be singing, walk with me, Lord. Walk with me. You see, they flip it around. Out of their limited understanding. God is not trying to walk with you. You... In all you're getting, get understanding. You need to make up your mind. As a person, as a church, we're going to walk with God. You look at verse 2 of Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, uh, verse 2. The Bible says, God told Abraham, if you walk with me. He made two promises. I hope you can read it. It's on the screen. He says, number one, I will covenant with you. He said, number two, I will multiply you. You show me any child of God that is not multiplying. I will show you somebody who is not walking with God. The Bible is not complicated. But you got to work it. So he can work with you. What is the message? If you and me walk with God, our church will be impactful. God will covenant with this church. There are many churches in town. But God is looking for a church that he can covenant with. 
and then he will show you the, the evidence of his covenant. You will multiply. God cannot lie. So if you see yourself not multiplying, <laughs> can you understand the truth? <laughs> what is the message? To build a church that will last, we must learn to walk with God. John chapter 15 verse 3 says, Jesus talking, he said, without me, you can do absolutely nothing. So every work that we do in ministry amount to nothing without God. And as important as what you're doing, as important as what I'm doing in ministry, the most important is for you and I to walk with God. Part of the problem in the body of Christ today, you see people doing the work of the ministry, but they're not walking with God. So their ministry is not impactful. You sing, but no one is touched. No life is changed. You preach hard, but it doesn't benefit anybody. What is the message? God is calling you and me to know him so that we can show him to the world. And you cannot show who you don't know. And you cannot know God unless and until you walk with him. God is calling us to relate to him so that we can then reveal him. We are busy trying to reveal God to the world, but we don't know who we are trying to reveal. So, most important to him is that you relate to him. He wants to be your friend. He wants to walk with you and talk with you. Then when you know him, then you can reveal him to the world in your preaching, in your singing, in your teaching, or whatever you're doing. Whether you're running the sound, whether you're running the camera, whether you're in the parking lot, you are trying to reveal God to this world, but you cannot reveal who you don't know. So now that we know the secret is to walk with God. Then I want to tell you briefly the platform for you and I to walk with God. In other words, how do you walk with God? I just don't want to tell you walk with God. You need to know how to do it. And my prayer is that from this anniversary, not only are we going to know how to operate and run this church in the natural more effectively, but in the spirit. Because except the Lord build the house. Everybody working. Pastor, I'm the one cutting the money. Pastor, I'm the one cooking in the kitchen. Pastor, I'm the one driving the bus. 
it won't worth a dime if you don't walk with God. So, brother pastor, how do we walk with God? Once I tell you that, I'm out. It will be on you. I told you what you need to do, and I told you the reward. People that walk with God, they are blessed. People that walk with God, their prayers are answered. People that walk with God, God covenant with them. People that walk with God, God make them a display to the world. How do we walk with God, brother pastor? Talk to me. Enough of playing church. Number one, you walk, walk with God by separating yourself. You separate yourself not to just become lonely, but you separate yourself to hang out with God. <sighs> Hallelujah. <laughs> all men of impact, all women that make a difference in this world, these are people that have learned to separate themselves. They seclude themselves. They hang out with God and leave the world alone. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. They are men and women of desert. That's where you find them. You don't find them in the crowd. They are men and women of wilderness. And they come out of wilderness with power, with anointing. Because they've separated themselves and they were hanging out with God. And because they hang out with God, they come out with power and the world couldn't stop them. It means, ladies and gentlemen, real voices are heard in quiet places. Are you listening to me? Hundreds and thousands of people will be watching this. It will be a shame that you paid for it if you don't watch, you don't take advantage of it. Separate yourself. Luke chapter 1, verse 80 gives you an example. Before the voice of John the Baptist was heard, guess where he was? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. In the desert somewhere. In the wilderness somewhere. And by the time he come out, the devil hear him coming. They run. Real public image. Real success in ministry is developed in the secret place. No church, no ministry can become great 
without practicing separation to God. The secret to build a church that will last, you have to spend quality time. Quality time with Almighty God. You know what I'm trying to tell you? I'm using various ways to say the same thing. True church, true ministry, is not in whistles and bells. True ministry is an outflow of the inflow of God in you. And you cannot flow out to people what God has not flowed in to you. Exodus chapter 34, verse number 2. This is about Moses now. God said to Moses, make sure it's in your Bible. It says, get ready. It says, in the morning, come up so we can hang out. Then, Exodus chapter 34, verse 3, God told to Moses, he said, here's the condition of you hanging out with me. Notice the condition gave it. He said, don't bring anybody with you. <laughs> I listened to you all folks say, oh, my best friend. And me and my posse. Really. That's why you're still broke. That's why you're struggling spiritually. You're too busy, busy body. God is calling you. He said, Abraham, leave your country. Leave your kinfolk. Come hang out with me. And if you do, I'll bless your success. I will make your name great. I will take you to places you never dream of. I'm talking about our church built to last. God wants some privacy. Please take note. God always deals with people in secret and then showcase them in public. Even when it comes to prayer, he says, you go into your secret closet. You pray to God secretly, and then he will reward you openly. The Bible is not complicated. The only question is, are you going to leave it, or are you going to choose? You see, there's a huge difference between a flamingo and an eagle. It's your choice, church, whether you want to build a church that will last or you want to be a church that will be a historical museum. (laughs) 
Psalms 91 verse 1. He that dwelleth where? In the secret place of the Most High. Those are the people that are covered. Those are the people that will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Even Jesus, our Savior, believe it or not, he was known to be a man of desert. He was known to be a man of wilderness. What you see in display openly, the Bible says he has a habit. He would disappear in secret, hang out, walk with God. And by the time it comes out, he'll be swinging with power and authority. Luke chapter 5 verse 16 says, Jesus have a habit of withdrawing. That separation. Withdrawing into the wilderness. What is he doing there? The Bible tells you. A prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. It don't matter if you're preaching. Powerless. It don't matter if you're playing instrument or if you are the head deacon or you are the head deaconess or you're in the willing to do committee. Whatever you're doing to, for God doesn't worth a dime if you don't walk with God. Jesus' regular schedule. You want to know it? <laughs> Hallelujah. So, during the daytime, he hang out with people. He minister to them. But during the nighttime, he hang out with God. That's his schedule. Every day. The Bible says that's his custom. You show me a man of God. You show me a woman of God. You show me a choir or a deacon board or whatever you're doing that is anointed, impactful, and making a difference. I'll show you a bunch of people that are walking with God. What is the message? If you miss your nighttime with God, your daytime effort will not be effective. I'm trying to help somebody. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. John the beloved, isolated on the island of Patmos. The Bible says, the Lord appeared to him. All what you read in the book of Revelation, it happened because he was alone with God. On the last day, even in prison, 
No chain can stop him from coming to church. He walked with God. Daniel, chapter 11, verse 32. What I'm trying to show you, brothers and sisters, Zion Hill members, if you want your impact to continue and be maximized, the secret, you have to walk with God. That's it. <laughs> Brother preachers, sister preachers, freely I receive, freely I give unto you. It doesn't matter where you find yourself. The location don't make a preacher. The anointing makes a preacher. Ladies and gentlemen, Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 says, the people who knows their God. Are you still here? <laughs> Not the people that talk about God. Not the people that sing about God. Not the people that are building edifice for God. The people that know their God. Guess what the Bible said about them? They will be strong. They, they, they are so unmovable. You, you see them. Even demons see them walking in. They move. The Bible also said those folks that know their God, they will do exploit. Do you know what exploit is? These are people that are making things happen. You don't even know how it's happening. God wants you to do exploit. You can be a janitor and do exploit. You can be behind the scene cleaning the floor cooking in the kitchen and do exploit. It was a slave girl who helped General Naaman who was a leper to become healed and cleansed. It takes a slave girl, a little damsel, <laughs> I'm trying to help somebody. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, how do we walk with God? Let me tell you one more thing because my time is over. I say separate yourself to God. Number two that I will give you today to think about on your church anniversary you need to have what we call the fear of God. The passage I read to you, I hope you remember, he said, this is the conclusion. What is the conclusion of the matter? 
In fact, the Bible says the conclusion of the whole matter. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You want to see real anointed churches? They fear God. You're looking for a true anointed man of God? They fear God. You'll be trying to get them to do things they will never join you because <laughs> thank you Jesus. Fear God. Keep his command. This is the whole duty of man. Take note. Nothing secures the future of any church like the fear of God. I know we talk about budgets. I know we talk about plan. What are we going to do next year? How are we going to get to Carfax? How are we going to go to Lacan? How are we going to turn right? Ah, sometimes, sometimes I just laugh and watch the show. The fear of God. It will take you places you never think of. Amen, somebody. And nothing aborts destiny quicker than the lack of the fear of God. Nothing kills a church faster than the lack of fear of God. Nothing keeps a ministry under it is the lack of fear of God. I wish I have time to get deep into this. But think about it. Adam forfeit his destiny because he lacked the fear of God. He did what God told him not to do. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know the result. Not only did he aborted his own destiny, he aborted the destiny of all mankind. Remember Samson? Samson was going from woman to woman to woman to woman. He aborted his destiny. Ain't nobody shouting today. He had very little time to pray. You're not going to find a single verse in the word of God talking about Samson praying until they got his eyes out. <laughs> After he find himself in trouble, then he cried out to God. 
So as a result, ladies and gentlemen, see, our great destiny became a great disaster. That's the problem with many churches today. I hope I don't get in trouble, but it don't take me much to get in. When I came to town, I was hearing stories and stories of great churches in this community. This used to be the place. That used to be the place. I pray that would not be your destiny, Zion Hill. I don't know how long God will keep me here. But I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart, if you want this church to last, you got to fear God. Some of the foolishness that is going on in the body of Christ is a recipe for a terminal ministry. Fear God. Stay away from evil. Don't be a part of any mess. The Bible is full of examples of people who fear God. Remember Joseph? In the book of Genesis, chapter 39, verse number 1. When he had an encounter with Potiphar's wife. Am I still in the book? The Bible said the Negro ran. Yes, I said it. Somebody needs to preach this gospel. He ran. Holding on. <laughs> You know why he said in the Bible, because I fear God. <laughs> God is my witness. There are many things people want me to do that I refuse, even family members. And I would tell them, no, I fear God. See, I'm sorry. What you're saying makes sense, but I will not do that because I fear God. Genesis chapter 42, verse 18. Joseph told you his secret, and you have that secret available to you today. He said, I will not do that because I fear God. The result of that, ladies and gentlemen, is found in the book of Genesis, chapter 41, verse 46. He stood. He became promoted. Guess what age? Notice the Bible tells you when he became promoted. What age was he promoted? He was only 30 years old. Most of 30 years old, they're standing in corner trying to sell drugs. You are not impactful. You are looking for success. But the source of true success is in God. 
30 years. Started to run a whole nation. Are you listening to me? That's ministry with an impact. The Bible also tells you how long it was in business. Genesis chapter 50, verse 26. It tells you how long his ministry, his business lasted. The Bible says Joseph died at what age? 110. You do the math. 110 minus 30. That means if you were pastoring, if you was CEO of a company, if you was manager of any corporation, he was running that church, he was pastoring, he was running that business for 80 years. They told you how many pastors we have. <laughs> Then you go home and do your research and find out how long do each of them last. Don't start with this church. Check other churches. You want a ministry that will stand the test of time? Fear God. You want to make a CD, a music project that will hit the market and overcome all the politics of the music industry. <laughs> See, everything is political now. But the fear of God will carry you through every storm, through every blockage, through every gangster. I've got to stop. Nothing will secure your destiny more than the fear of God. You remember Job chapter 1, verse number 1. We know Job was a rich man. We know he was the richest in his days. Then we need to ask the question, what is his secret? Was it just an exception? The Bible tells you. In verse number one, they tell you his credentials. And I believe if our church adopts that, we will be unstoppable. People will come from east and west to behold the glory of God in this place. People will come from north and south. They will travel across the sea to come and behold our ministry in a little town called Pineville in a state called Louisiana. What was Job's credential? Job chapter 1 verse 1. He was perfect. Is that in your Bible? The Bible says he was upright. The Bible says he ensued evil. The Bible says he feared God. Are you listening to me? I wish I had more time, but I got to stop. I want to pray with somebody. It's decision time. 
I just don't invite you here today so you can give to Zion here. I am grateful for every gift. I watched a woman of God demonstrate that for us this month. In fact, she provoked me also to give because God has been good to me. Hallelujah. So after prayer, God has prospered you and you want to give to celebrate the goodness of God in this house. To celebrate the abundance of faith that that prophetess talked about earlier. To celebrate all the accomplishments that the brother was sharing with you earlier. How God moved us from small beginning to where we are now. But you know what intrigued me? The best is yet to come. Hallelujah. If my people who are called by my name four things. Humble yourself. Pray. Seek my face. One more church. One more church. You want a church that will last. You want to build a ministry that will last. That will stand the test of time. Hundreds and thousands of years later. People will still be talking about a church called Zion. God said if you do that. And you turn. He's talking to you and me. He said I will hear you. When you call. And I will heal the land. Everybody stand to your feet. Remember, the fear of God, the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning. Not the end. The beginning of wisdom. Somebody asked me, what is the vision of your church? <laughs> I said, this is a church where I teach people to love God. And number two, to love others. And number three, to serve. Did you hear that? This church is not really complicated. It's a place where you're called to love God. Love other people. You cannot be a part of a family that you don't talk to. How you all doing? you got to be able to work with everybody. 
Because the Bible says, Oh, no man, nothing. The love of God. Then they asked me, Okay, brother pastor, we got it. You got a vision. What is the mission of your church? I said it's three. See, I thank our Lord in three. How you doing, Brother Deacon? I honor you, man of God. I told people, the mission here is number one, save souls. You have to ask yourself the question, how many souls? Has God been able to win unto himself through you? You come, you get your grooves on. The mission of the church. <laughs> this is not a sorority. <laughs> this is no fraternity. Our mission is to save souls. Yet for years and years we come by ourselves. It's all about me, mine, me, me, me. You know our second mission, ladies and gentlemen, is to mature believers. Sharing with one lady, I said, No, we're not just saving souls. We don't want you Christians who are saved to remain a baby. Babies drink milk. That's what the Bible says. But God wants you to eat steaks. I'll be honest with you. There are some things I can preach here. I go to some churches I cannot. Because they ain't ready for it. You just, so it's like you're walking on eggshells. God wants us to mature. And you know the third thing, and this is what I want us to work on. Listen to me. I don't have time to talk about it in detail. But you can receive. The third mission of this church is to demonstrate the power of God. The church is not yet a church until the blind comes in and receive their sight. The church is not yet a church until the millennium come in and is able to get back and walk again. The church is not yet a church until somebody is sick with COVID and you lay hand on it. And... How God anointed Jesus with Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good, healing everybody. I have a clear picture where we're going. The only question is, are you ready? Jesus Christ is not just a good preacher. Jesus Christ was not just a good teacher. He was a man. 
with power. I say this in conclusion. How many times have I concluded today? Okay. I, I promise, I promise. Apostle Paul, Pastor Apostle Paul said, what that woman was saying is so true about me. Apostle Paul said, I don't come with enticing words. My English is not good. My accent is difficult to understand. But I have come to demonstrate the power of God. Come here, sister. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The best is yet to come. I say the best is yet to come. I say the best is yet to come. Eyes have not seen it. Ears have not heard it. It's not even been conceived in the hearts of men. What God has in stock for Zion Hill. Let's pray. Praise the Lord. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord God. Lord, we come before your divine presence, Almighty God, Lord. Father God, knowing, Almighty God, Lord. God, that you're able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all we even ask or think, Lord. According to the power that working in us this morning, Almighty God. God, we release, Almighty God, Lord. Father God, your spirit this morning, Almighty God, Lord. God, that you would reign upon the body of Christ this morning, Almighty God. Oh, God, and stop the ears of your people, God. Lord, that we hear your still, small voice, somebody, God. Open our eyes, God, that we will behold your glory, God. Your glory, almighty God, Lord. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, help us to position ourselves, Lord God. Lord, it will be the church, Lord, that you called us to be, Lord God. Lord, we can't do nothing without you, Lord. But, Lord, your word declares, God, we can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength, Almighty God, Lord. Oh, God, let the gifts of the Spirit be a manifestation, Almighty God, Lord. Oh, God, you said the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, Almighty God. Let the fruit, God, Lord, let it grow, Lord. Let it be manifested in our lives, Almighty God, Lord. God, that others, Lord, God, would see us, Lord, but they would see you, Lord God. Oh, God, bring the church back to our first love, Almighty God, Lord. Bring us back, Lord, to the place, God, Lord. Oh, God, that you want us to be, Lord God. We pray, Almighty God, that you would keep us in the center of your will, God. Lord, don't let us turn to the left or to the right, God. Oh, God, Lord, keep us in the center of your will, God, Lord. Oh, give us a fresh anointing, Lord. Holy Spirit of the living God, blow afresh upon your people this morning. Blow till we feel your spirit. God, God, blow, Lord, Holy Spirit, July.
change, Lord. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Lord, we thank you, Lord, this morning, God. We thank you, Lord God, for sustaining your people, God, Lord. We thank you, God. Oh, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, for your presence, Almighty God, Lord. God, we decree and declare, Almighty God, Lord. Oh, Father God, Lord, that miracles would take place within the body of Christ, Lord. That blind and eyes will be open, Lord. That the dead will be raised, Almighty God, Lord. You said the church, Lord God, would leave out with less power than it came in. You said the latter rain would be greater than the former rain, God. God, let it rain, Lord. Let it rain, Holy Spirit. Let it rain upon us all this morning, God, Lord. Oh, God, Lord. Let the dry bones live, God. Let them rise, Lord. Let the dry bones, Lord, rain, Lord. Rain, Lord. Rain this morning, God, Lord. God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. Lord, that we're not going out with less power than we came in, Lord, with, Lord. We thank you, Almighty God. Lord, I pray that a hunger, Lord, I pray that a thirst, God, Lord, would be birthed in our heart, Lord. You said that we seek first the kingdom, God, and your righteousness, God. Father, you promised everything else would be added, God. I pray that you give us appetite, Lord, for you and for the things of you, God. I pray that a spirit of prayer would be birthed, Lord God, in the hearts of your people, God, Lord. And God, I thank you for it, Lord. I give you glory. I give you glory, God, this morning for it, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, Lord. I praise you and honor you, God, this day, God. Lord, that we're not leaving out the same way we came in, Lord God. But, Lord, we take in your word, God. When we digested it, Almighty God, Lord, that we would be, Lord, what you called us to be, Lord God. The light, Lord. The light of the world, God. And all when others would get in contact with us, Lord, they would see you, Lord. They would see you, Lord God, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We give you glory and honor, God. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. We just want to thank each and every person that have come this morning, this morning to be part of this service. And at this present time, we'll have the benediction. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance. And may he give you peace. I pray that you'll have a blessed week this week. And go with God in Jesus' name. Amen. And we'll have our pastor, the first lady, will be standing in front of the, of the pulpit.